Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. You are listening to Claret and Blue, an Aston Villa podcast brought to you by Birmingham Live. Hello and welcome to the Claret and Blue podcast live on Facebook, YouTube and Twitter this evening as Aston Villa fall to defeat at the London Stadium against West Ham. The technology's fouled Villa once again. It's also fouled me as my Wi-Fi is terrible this evening. It's also fouled Matt who can't be bothered to plug in his new microphone, so apologies on his behalf. Um, we'll start with you, Matt, and your terrible audio. Thoughts on that tonight? Obviously, it's the, the VAR that's going to dominate again, isn't it? But Villa were just just found wanting in both boxes again, weren't they? Two terrible goals conceded at terrible times in the game. Trezeguet missed an absolute sitter that the, the goal is saved from going wide. And then we've spooned a penalty against the bar. So, Villa did enough to get a point and, and technology's let us down again. But it was just, it was just a terrible night all round, wasn't it? <laughs> James, what do you think? I, I'm, I've got a stress headache. Like, I, I'm not in a, a good mood. And I got a new Villa shirt on, granted to me free by my uncle JJ. So I was looking forward to coming here, speak about a Villa victory and show off. But now I've got a stress headache. I'm in pain. I'm broken. Comb your hair, though. Yeah, comb my hair um, because of the results. So I was coming on here to look fancy and uh, posh and uh, all, all done up. But now as you're here speaking about VAR, not even VAR, it's the offside rule. The offside rule is not compatible with the application of VAR, as we've seen for multiple occasions. Uh, Wesley, Patrick Bamford, and now uh, Ollie Watkins. So I think we can sit here and say Villa probably didn't do good enough. But look, they had a, they, they come back from so much like adversity. I yeah, they, they, I think, they've I come think we played all right. I don't think we we deserve some, to get something there. I've, we've barely even seen Emmy Martinez, let alone him have to make a save. We've yeah. missed a penalty. Trezeguet's missed a sitter. Jack's had a decent chance. That should at the end shouldn't be ruled out. I yeah, don't I think, care whether his arms offside or whatever it is. However, how small millimeters we want to go into, it's not offside, is it? So no, Villa deserve a point at least there. I think that annoying. crap! Sorry, how crap is it when you see? You know, I remember when I was kid all the kids who could draw would want to go into architecture or town planning or whatever it was they wouldn't want to be drawing lines across somebody's elbow to somebody's knee it's ridiculous you know, it stops for all that it's just yeah. it's ridiculous the thing is there's also the var you say james it's the offside rule and it's technically yeah you're, you're you are right but ultimately it's it's the technology isn't it it's clear and obvious is VAR. What was it brought in for? Exactly Two and a half minutes given, for... That goal given pre-VAR. Yeah. It's yeah. not spotted an infringement. Exactly. VAR has gone to check clear and obvious. Then yeah. it's but, but about two and a half minutes. Two and a half minutes oh. and, and millimetres and lines draws, drawing everywhere isn't clear and obvious, is it? Clear and obvious should be one replay and you go, yeah, he's clearly offside. That's clear and obvious. Not, not being under that much scrutiny. That's why it's frustrating. Yeah, I think no, no one's going to come here, defend... Uh, the referee's performance uh, on both sides of the, the pitch and especially the, the offside decision. Look, I mean, by by the letter of the book, it's offside. It's the, the book that sucks. Like, if your arm is offside and you do not use that arm to score the goal, 
what advantage have you gained? And especially if you're being fouled in the build-up and, and maybe pushed offside, it doesn't allow oh, for yeah. context. Like, we shouldn't be sitting here debating, was he offside or what? But he was offside. He, like, that's the rule. It's just but, the rule why, of wish. But why are they even measuring an arm? He can't score with his arm anyway, so why is that even it's, a factor? It, it goes back to what you say, clear and obvious. It wasn't clear and obvious because there's so much going on there that there's... Is his arm up, up, forced up? Is it down? Does the arm line change? Does the t-shirt line change? Because the yeah, position the t-shirt line. Pushed. So, so this here is not handball, but this is, but this yeah. is, but this is. How, how, how like finicky do you want to get with that? It's dumb. Um, the, look, we can't, we can't use VAR with the offside rule because we see this like time and time again. It's like it's too close. It's measuring down to the, the most, the, the granular. Of gr- the granular of granular, you can't. It's plotting three D lines and a two D image. There's so much that's that's so frustrating about it, especially the context as well, Matt. Because it's it's a goal in the last minute. A Villa have come back from everything. They come back from missing a penalty, conceding twice early on, two shots on target from West Ham. They scored both. Ollie Watkins misses a free header, well, mostly a free header, misses the penalty. Then he does everything right and he kept he keeps his head on and scores. And you know, how are you feeling about that? I love it when you're saying about the T-shirt, is the T-shirt line offside when Villa are rocking their camouflage kit for the first <laughs> time. Um, yeah, I, I mean, the, the commentator, didn't he, um, said it wasn't Watkins' night, you know, put the curse on ahead of the penalty. Actually, Watkins had done brilliantly not too long before for Trezeguet's chance. Um, but then there was a massive delay over that, wasn't it? And that, that, must be, that must be horrible, that must be, when you're a penalty taker and you wait, you, you've got that kind of, long agonising wait. Mm. Um, I agree with Dan that Villa did enough to get something from the game. I think Villa can't have too many complaints well, other than the, the, the usual VAR one. Things um, out of their hands, effectively. About not getting anything from the game just because the defending was so poor. You know, we saw saw for the first goal again that, you know, um, Target was starting from a standing jump. Got, his man got a run on him. I think, they, I think they were saying in the, in the analysis it was um, Douglas Louise, his, his um, man who got away. Um, the second goal as well, you know, to allow Jared Bowen to score with a header. Um, decent morning for Ben Rama, but it's within what? What was it? 35, 45 seconds? Uh, yeah, sure. You know? And it's just basics. It's it's the kind of villa with a soft belly of, of last season. And, and we said we knew when we battered Liverpool and we knew we went to Arsenal and went to Leicester, we knew there'd be some levelling off period. But I think Villa have been in the last two games and probably could have won the yeah, last two games, 100%. let alone got a draw. So, and I know we've been stuffed by, by VAR, but Villa had enough opportunities to make that result their own, regardless of, of lines being drawn from armpits and stuff like that. So that's what frustrates me. As much as we, it's an easy get out and, I don't think Dean Smith will will just look for excuses, but he can come out and his post match can be, you know, that can, he can talk about the, the refereeing and the officiating. Whereas really, Dean Smith should be talking about why his defence has been so so weak again at the start of both halves, and, yeah, why, he, and why his strikers haven't, you know, haven't put the ball in the net two or three times anyway. So. 
before we get on to Villa's actual football, because like you said, I also don't want to make excuses, but I feel like because I thought Villa have been okay today against Brighton, even like we've said in previous podcasts, it's only Southampton scoring wonder goals and Leeds being very hard working. It's, Villa haven't really been bad at any point this season, apart from that second half against Leeds. Um, so before we get on to Villa's actual footballing ability, just I want to end on the VAR thing. From your opinion, Matt, you've seen football, I'm just coming to you because you're the older of the, the three of us and not trying to throw, throw shade or anything. You've seen football in the in the 90s when Villa were good you've seen the O'Neill era you've seen some terrible times like we've both seen how is VAR impacting football do you think is it ruining the game I know obviously we're not there but I didn't celebrate Watkins goal I did a little fist bump and I was like well I'm not getting too carried away when they gave the penalty I was thinking not going to get too carried away because they might overturn it do you think that VAR is ruining the the experience of watching football yeah I think more so if we're in the stadiums but I'm a kind of old romantic that I kind of want football to be as pure and I know it can't be the same. I know a kickabout on a Sunday parked pitch can't be the same as Premier League or a World Cup. But I like it when I think I think they're interfering with something that doesn't need doesn't need interfering with. If this was such a good system that it ended any debate without a shadow of a doubt, fine. You know, we we will accept that football's clinical, there's so, so many sums of money involved, but it's actually it's actually making it worse. It's adding to the kind of sense of injustice because, like you said, what is a goal two minutes previously is no longer a goal. And you're thinking, well, why? What's actually changed? What mm-hmm. other than somebody who's got an Etch-a-Sketch and drawn a couple of pictures on a screen? What's changed? Um, so, it's, 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 uh, I'm sure I wouldn't be the only football fan who's, I can say, tearing their hair out, but I'm probably <laughs> way, way beyond that. But, I just I don't understand it. I don't understand what what it's trying to achieve, because it's not it's not actually doing what it's supposed to do. It's supposed to take all this kind of uncertainty and all these kind of you know these human errors. It's supposed to take it out take it out completely, and it's just adding. It's just become a mess, hasn't it? James, you've got some hair that you could pull out. What do you think about VAR? <sighs> no, I should like you should like it because it, it should come into. You know, I remember when we were in the championship and we were thinking these championship refs can't get anything right, they need help. And so the system comes in and I think the, the most frustrating aspects of it are just highlighted all the time. I think, you know, three quarters of last season, they had a monitor they never used to look at stuff. And I think it always comes back to these offsides and drawing the image and not using, you know, the Premier League, the richest league in the world can't afford to put cameras everywhere to make a, a good line and make a, a right decision. It can't afford to petition against rules that, that, are, that are stupid. It's just, you know, I was worried that I was losing my hair. I definitely am now. I'm going to be pulling I, I was stressed. I was nervous, anxious. And, you know, I, I was full-blooded screaming when we scored because I thought we, we did fight to get back into that game and nothing went our way. And we, we messed up so many times ourselves. We were, you know, masters of our, our own downfall. We get the chance score and it don't exist anymore because Ali Watkins runs back to the, the centre circle, puts the ball down, and it's uh, off back to a goal kick again because it's, it's some for some reason offside. And you know they don't question the foul. Um, Ogbonna's wrapped around him. They don't question that. It's it's all on Ali Watkins, and it's frustrating. It's rubbish. It's it it really is killing football. We see it from Leeds fans when uh, Bamford's chance was drawn out. We saw it from us last season a few times, and now again it is. It is being the great decider in games, and it's it's not players anymore. It is VAR and offside, which is deciding things. And can you say that you want this, that you want this application of VAR and offside? Because I don't, and I don't think anyone does. Well, they just be done with it and just kind of microchip all the players. 
so it pings. So it sets I, mean, up I, I, I think I think we'll just get rid of football and just stick football manager on a big screen and just play a computer game because that's effectively yeah. what it is now. It's such a fine margin that it is down to the millimeters of a, a shirt sleeve or a, a boot lace. It's ridiculous, isn't it? I think. There's loads of comments coming in. There's a lot of people watching. I'm, I'm, it's impossible for me to read things that people are saying because the comments are, are flying through like this. The general consensus is everyone hates VAR. So I do want to get out of this discussion at some point. But what, what are the options? Do you either scrap it complete, completely and say, we've made a mistake, we're going to go back to referees? I don't see FIFA or whoever is making these decisions uh, swallowing their pride and doing that. You either need to massively up the technology, like you said, James, and have cameras everywhere to give you this almost 360 angle of what everything's going on, which they're not going to be able to be able to implement in every football stadium anyway. Mm-hmm. Do the referees just need to be be better at their job and be more competent? Do the truck does the training need to be better? What is the solution to a VAR problem that is now infecting the game at a level where players are starting to say, "Look, there's a problem with this now, and I'm not happy with it." No quick and easy solution because you know if you're coach, I don't, I'm no coach, but if you're coaching a striker like Ollie Watkins, you want him on the back shoulder doing that exact thing. Mm-hmm. If he's going to get punished for it, it's pointless having that exact role. Like, there's no point in Ollie Watkins having that exact role if that is the the fine margins for applying to it. If he's doing his job and pressuring a defender and, and doing that, and his t shirt line happens to be offside, then maybe you know Kappa should have us in that Cameroon 02 kit with with no with no sleeves because. You know, the, these are the margins we're talking about. It, it, is is that T-shirt line, is Villa's sleeve long enough to, you know, to be detected? It, it's just these, these really annoying details. So I don't know how you fix it now. Like, Does the comment you... just come through of something I suggested before about putting a time limit on VAR or a certain amount of replays that they can watch? They can only use up five replays or something. And if it's not clear and obvious within five replays... It, the decision can't be overturned from the on-field referee. But then you're just going to have people saying, well, we made the wrong decision because we only had five replays to use or we ho- we only had a minute, we were under pressure. I just don't think there's a, a way that football foot, doc, football wins off the back of this. The referees will because they'll just have all their mates come out and dig them out and go, oh, well, you know, it's a difficult job. Dermot Gallagher will be on Sky going, yeah, well, yeah, I think this was right, I think this was right. And ultimately, the, they'll get away with it. I think you can you could have you could have two or three appeals, couldn't you? You can play during each game, and if if you think, but the thing is, if you if you're playing the appeal card blind, you're not. You know what I mean? You're not even going to have the benefit of the of the replays of doing it. So you'd probably have to be playing doing it a bit more wisely. But you know, it comes back to you were saying, what's the solution? Clear and obvious, isn't it? There's not a clear and obvious solution other than to scrap it because it's not actually improved anything whatsoever. What would we be lost if VAR disappeared tomorrow? Would it would it negatively affect the game? No, <laughs> no, because because the, the the whole thing was well, this will get rid of contentious uh, contentious decisions. It'll get rid of all the debate of football, and it just seems to have caused more grief in the last year or so than it has before. Because before all this, if a referee gets a decision wrong in the split in a split moment in the heat of the game, and you think, well, it's a difficult job, he only gets to see it once, he's missed it. As much as it's frustrating, you almost understand it, but to have watched it from several different angles and trained referees are, are viewing it back for two and a half minutes and being so um, I can't think of a good word but being so technical and, and like you said down, James down to the, the shirt lines and the, the boots being slightly off and all the arrows and stuff it just it's just rubbish isn't it and it's, it's rubbish when you're in the stadium because you don't know what's going on but when you're watching on the TV it just, just ruins the game I think the, the argument is that Villa should have put the game away well before that but football doesn't work like that people miss these perfect chances all the time it, it all comes down to that last minute header you know rushing the box with extra men taking the risk of it of being exploited on the counter just to get that equalizer you do that it comes down to a decision VAR has that impact 
whether it lost us a game is, is another debate, but it took all that 2-2 that away. And yeah, we missed a penalty to make it 2-2, but we, we did put the, we have to acknowledge here that the ball was in the back of the net. We did score and it come down to this this weird, weird rule. That, and that is a debate. The debate isn't whether Ollie Watkins should have scored. We, we can talk about that all, all night about his penalty record. It, we, we had the ball in the back of the net as far as I'm concerned. And I mean, it's not good enough, is it? Well, let's, why, let's... Does, um, why does the ref get a safety net if he makes a mistake? Why doesn't Ollie Watkins oh, yeah. say, I've made a mistake from the penalty spot? Why don't I get a robot to come and take, take a, <laughs> a retake? Do you know yeah, what I mean? Oh, yeah, why? Exactly. We're, we're allowed to witness human error in the players, but the referees don't get to to go through human error. Well, just get three lots of human error instead from the referee. Oh, yeah, that's true. Yeah, I mean, oh yeah, the standard of the refereeing is poor, isn't it? But that's a, that's another debate. We've got fifteen minutes into this, and I'm uh, wary <laughs> of this not being too long. Anyway, I do want to talk about the football. There's people talking in the comments about you, you acting as if VAR lost us the game, which. To a certain extent, yes. Like James yeah. said, we had a, we yeah, had a goal. Uh, what I would say is a legal goal usually ruled out because it was such a fine decision. However, having said that, it's poor from Villa to go down a goal within the first few seconds of a game twice at, at the start of the first half and the start, start of the second half. You can't excuse that that football either. No, I think if, you, if you're clutching for positives, is that Villa reacted quite well to conceding twice at the start of each half. And I think Villa went to dominate the game. I think West Ham realised they'd kind of got the nose in front and were prepared, but content to protect what they got. Um, so, yeah, we, we've said it, haven't we? I think I put something on Twitter, you know, during lockdown one, Villa used that very wisely to tighten up the defence and we were told about this mean machine defence uh, and how Villa were more streetwise and more more solid. Uh, and the irony is, if Villa were... Villa could go back to those kind of mean machine defensive ways. You'd back them to score at least one goal every single game. A clean sheet for Villa, what I think would equal a victory now, because I think they'd score, you know, have they scored in every game so far this season, with the exception of Leeds? Well, I think so. Asking a lot. I mean, I assume so. Yeah, yeah because those are our only losses. I mean, those, those, are, yeah. those are the first goals we've conceded on the road all season, which is annoying that we conceded that record went out in the first couple of minutes of the first half, and then the second half one. It's just too easy. There's people saying you, you got you've got to talk about our uh, yeah. lack of ability to defend. Which yeah, it's fair. We talked a lot about Tara Mings recently, haven't we? And again, it's just doesn't look his, his usual self and Villa just make it look too easy the zone of marking thing we'll get onto in a sec I know you want to speak about that James but Matt, when you when you we talk in, in the summer about do we need a centre-back uh, to replace Concer or Mings and Concer now seems the better centre-half of the two anyway is that something that you're concerned about now that Villa do need additions at the, at the back when you hurry up and take that sip of beer oh me sorry I was um... I thought it was a can of uh, San Pellegrino orange it's quite nice actually Beaver Town Town Gamma Ray, American Pale Ale. Hashtag I'm, give you ones, man. I'm not being sponsored by him, regrettably. <laughs> but, um, um, what's the question? Our, our defence is, is Mings too laid back. I think it's collective again, isn't it? I don't think it's. I don't think it's just Mings. Was Mings to blame for the first goal? I don't think he was. Um, I don't know. To me, it comes back to. We've kind of bemoaned that back four or previous incarnation of it last year. They had some respite to really kind of drill down into what they're all about uh, and found a way of being a solid unit. Now, to me, probably sound like a broken record, but we come back to the fact, don't we, that we've got one of 
England's best centre-halves of a generation. He's on the coaching pitches with them every day. We've got Dean Smith, who's a centre-half by trade. I don't think Villa should concede from set-pieces as as easily as that, to be honest. Um, so I'm not sure it's so much about personnel as it is about knowing what they're doing um, in basic situations like that. I like Mings. I think he's good. I think sometimes we... We, we speak about him too, too, being too casual. You know, got away with one, didn't he? First half, I think, when he um, tried a, a Cruyff turn or something <laughs> on the edge of his box. Um, I don't think it's just Toro means. I think Villa, Villa collectively, Villa win together, Villa lose together. I think Villa collectively yeah, need to be a lot better. Um, the other thing I was going to say, at the opposite end of the field, it's bizarre, but I've, for some reason, I've got more of an appreciation this season for Trezeguet than I did last season. And he's, he's missing chances left, right and centre at the moment. Um, and I don't know. I don't know. I mean, you'd have wanted it to be the other way around, wouldn't you? Trezeguet teeing up Watkins um, for for that one. And having said that, Watkins has gone and pinged over a, a header when he probably should have hit the target. So it's that, isn't it? Villa between that penalty box and that penalty box, I think we're the best team. But in the places that matter, they were found wanting again. Just, and that, that's what's going to erode any kind of momentum that Villa thought they'd started this season with if they're yeah. still going to be found wanting in those key areas. Yeah, just before we get on to Trezeguet and stuff, I've just seen an uh, interesting comment. It's, things are coming in so quick, I've lost it now. It was there just, oh, this is so annoying. Uh, from Craig, he says, is this an issue that there's no one pushing for positions at centre-back, that there's no pressure on Esri Conso and Tyra Mings, that Bjorn Engels is the forgotten man, disappeared out of nowhere, and Courtney Hawes is effectively a reserve player that isn't going to start games in the Premier League anyway? Do you think that's part of the problem, James? Yeah, there's been obviously injury issues that have kind of hampered their their start to the season. It's only really been kind of Mings and Konza in, in consideration. And when you look at Esri Konza, you know, Tyron Mings is leading the line. I think that uh, you go back to the start of last season, his partnership with Bjorn Engels, everyone brought that up as a massive positive. Tyron Mings ascended further than Esri Konza, now his partner. Esri Konza has matched him. So Tyron Mings has been this kind of steady rock that's, that's brought everything up. And now I feel like it's almost like you can see kind of Esri Konza almost surpassing him. But that, there's no one else kind of kind of pushing through to to compete for these places. So, but I think naturally we've brought it up so many times, Dan. Like naturally, I think you, you do settle when you, when you don't have that competition, that really yeah. intense competition. I see people, you know, bringing out Courtney Horses kind of aerial jewels, one stats and stuff like that, and you know, it doesn't seem to be a reality now. I think we we, we kind of have to accept uh, it's just going to be Tyra Mings and Esri Conz until something, you know colossal happens to it or you know an absolute calamity happens and I'm, I know people do bring up these mistakes and that but there's no been it, there's been nothing I guess to really catch Dean Smith so I make him make that decision because again you know he's he's the guy with all the all the knowledge he's coaching stuff for, with, with all the knowledge and that that change isn't being made it's like like a number of things so there must be some reasoning behind it even if it isn't down to like just pure numbers and depth yeah you just talk f- about the lack of pressure Dan he's not a centre half on the bench it was so, not <laughs> Do you know well, what I mean? That, 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 that shows you, in effect, that, you know, Toro, Mings and, and Ezra Cons are going to have to do something spectacular or, God forbid, be carried off on a stretcher. I'd have mm. thought mm. all out of that team. Because what you do, you can put Almo perhaps at centre-half or move move one of your full-backs inside. But that shows that there's nobody breathing down the necks. I don't think Villa have conceded goals because of complacency. I think it's a lack of concentration. I think it's disorganisation at yeah. set pieces. I think it's kicking off the second half and not being quite at it. Um, 
I don't think it is complacency, but I don't think the fact that there's nobody, that there isn't anybody breathing down, I think the fact that there's nobody breathing down the back of the necks is not pushing that extra level out of them, out of them as well. Yeah. Before we push you on zonal marking, James, because uh, oh, this is just a, such a stupid topic. There's a comment that's just come through. Matt, this is going to be out of your demographic, but I want to mention it anyway. From Jack, mate, who does a, a quite a big podcast on Spotify. He's been in my Twitter DMs for, since the start of the season. My Twitter notifications talking about how much Lanzini is better than Jack Grealish. <laughs> so up until today, we've been t- tweeting back and forth. And I said, before kickoff, Villa to win tonight. And he's just uh, replied to me on Twitter saying, uh, you know, you were wrong or whatever. And now he's watching the streams. So Thank you very much for hopping in. Not your demographic, Matt. That's fine. Understandable. Um, might want to be yours, James. I've had a few people be like, why does he follow you? He's got hundreds of thousands of followers. I used to do some, I did a bit of editing work for him once back in the day. Anyway, off topic. Back to zone of marking, more importantly. Um, James, why have we got Angelo Bonner, who's six foot three, being man-marked, or... His man is John McGinn, who's five foot eight, five foot nine. Tyra Mings is stood em- uh, marking empty space, who's six foot five. How is he allowed a free run at goal and a free header in the first couple of minutes of a football game? So I think the first thing to say is if you did have Sky Sports and you did record that match, you need to go back and uh, watch Jamie Carragher at halftime because I think he really nailed it perfectly. There's a lot of confusion over Villa's marking system that extends, not just from the fans watching and people kind of commenting on it, but also the players because it is a, a mixed a mixed marking system. You have a, a zonal area guarding the goal and people marking players at the back and it, it seems to Villa fans that the wrong people are involved in, in either set because you've got kind of John McGinn and Matt Target marking uh, Ogbonna and I think Dan we go back to Southampton and Vestergaard it's the exact yeah. same thing like down to a T you know John McGinn as a midfielder is marking um, the defender on one side there's confusion they don't know who to follow it comes you know it's a perfect ball it's a really good header as well it's a, you know we, we can't dispute the fact that it's a really good chance made but did Villa do their best Arguably not, and that's been that has been a story this season. That that goal has been created by West Ham, by Southampton. I think you can go back a few times and see uh, Almo marking Johnny Evans. So these these things happen, and I, I just don't know what, why they won't commit to either fully man marking or fully zonal marking because th- this mix system it creates a, a confusion in the build up. It seems like, and by the time Ogbonna's reacted, massive Ogbonna has reacted as running in the ball. All John McGinn can do is react, and as a smaller player, he loses his man. He's got no kind of awareness of where Ogbonna's heading, and maybe maybe Dean Smith's thinking is, I put two smaller players on a bigger player, and that makes it harder. It does. It didn't matter in the end because it especially when Tyra Mings is standing in yeah. free space doing nothing. Yeah, I guess I, I you know I couldn't even begin to explain the thinking because you know for me, you you it would seem very. I don't know, you, you'd assign the tallest man to the tallest man. I, I guess uh, maybe that's too old school, but I think that maybe that would have saved Villa. But then, you know, you sp- you don't speak about these things when they're working. They're, they're quiet things that nine, nine times out of ten, they work. Then it's on the tenth time when something goes in that we, we, we complain. But, you know, this has been a common theme now for Villa. We, we have seen this repeat, this exact same situation repeat. So here it is as a problem that, that needs solving. But um, I... I, I you know, I don't. I don't think I'm educated enough to understand the thinking behind it because, you know, I can't put a T on on why why that would have happened because it seemed like a very clear threat. But going back to Vestergaard, Johnny Evans, seems like very clear threats that aren't being dealt with. Matt, are you educated enough to be able to tell us the difference? 
Well, I'm not particularly well educated, and I'm thinking, well, how could possibly putting two men, two little men, <laughs> on a big man, unless they're standing on, you know, if you see like a pantomime, they're standing on each other's shoulders with a big long like coat. In a big coat, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> unless you're doing that, I can't. <laughs> I, I think can't the wisdom of it. Because McGinn was a Bonner's man because he was a Vestergaard's man, and they did the exact same thing, and they were in the exact same positions. It didn't matter. Because I, I guess I'm not going to say he's going to be like that guy in Bojack Horseman, that kid who's in free in a trench coat and there's three of them pretending to be a man. But like two players on one player, is, is, is no matter how tall they are, it's a harder situation to deal with. Um, I guess uh, if to even go into what the thinking might have been, maybe Tyrone, the taller players are in a position where the ball is most likely to be played in rather than a player. But look, um, we got done on it and we've been done on it a few times now. So it is annoying. Someone asked about... Um how much we missed Ross Barkley in the last couple of games and whether that's had an impact. I was going to say, was it, I thought uh, Barkley came off in that Southampton game. I've just checked and it was Brighton. Actually done some research. I was wondering whether Barkley would have been McGinn's man instead because he's obviously taller than McGinn, but that doesn't add up because McGinn is still <laughs> on the biggest players on the pitch. So we didn't miss Barkley in that respect, but did we, do you think we missed him at, at the opposite end of the pitch where he's actually meant to be playing? We'll go for you first, Matt. Um, just comes in, comes as a criticism of Conor Harahan, doesn't it? This uh, always, um, always the full guy. Um, but I think Villa are weaker in the Premier League with him in the team. It sounds really, really harsh, but I just find that the game passes him by. Um, we started well though, and he played in the team then. Start of the season. God, when was that? Was that Fulham? Wasn't it? Is that the first? It's the first time he's been in, isn't it? I think Fulham, since, Sheffield um, United. Since Fulham, maybe we've been sport then. Maybe been sport of having Barclays' physicality and athleticism, um, because it just doesn't quite do it for me. I know it allowed kind of um, McGinn to roam a little bit more, um, but yeah, I think I think I think Villa did miss him. But I think to me, I think James, you said didn't you that um, I think I saw your tweet that Villa Villa lack height. To me, they lack they lack pace in this team as well, um, yeah. and I just don't think. I don't. He come. Like I, said, I feel like I'm, I dig out Conor Hurahan too much. So, I mean, what what are people saying in the comments about him? Am I being too harsh again or not? Alex Burns literally just put one in saying Harahan doesn't cut it for me, only good from set pieces. He did have a good free kick, to be fair. Uh, I think the keeper saved. Uh, comment here from Sarbid on Blue says Trez was a passenger all night and Connor was very poor. Apart from that, we played well. Do you agree that uh, Trez's guy was a passenger? No, well, no, because he, he was involved. It's just his involvement wasn't effective enough. Um, I mean, a passenger, I guess, I'm not, I'm not complaining about the comment. I guess a passenger is someone the game passes by. Trez was really, really involved. I mean, I guess, quote-unquote, winning the penalty. Um, Didn't not scuff, fluffing the chances. Um, you know, he he was very, very involved. It's just his involvement wasn't to any degree as effective as we wanted to be. Same probably with, with Conor Harahan. I mean, he probably couldn't have done any more with the chance he had the free kick. And, you know, Harahan brings these these positives. But maybe Barkley brings just a little bit more. Maybe you, you might even consider... Barkley and Harahan playing, I don't know because I think with the problems that happened, I can't I, I can't see Barkley fixing it. Villa had the chances to score and didn't take them without without Ross Barkley. Maybe he brings a bit more height, a bit more pace to deal with the chances West Ham had against us. But as for going forward, we, it was just in that, that final kick, the final header that we were missing. So It's the finish, isn't it? Yeah. 
he's in the right positions, but hasn't got the ability to put him in the back of the net. He should have scored that one. You can't get away from it, can you? Mm-hmm. But it's just, it's becoming a bit of a thing now, isn't it? And I wonder whether it's a confidence hit for him as well, that whether he's thinking of it in that way that I keep getting these chances and I'm struggling to put one away. Even the Arsenal one he did score was given as an own goal. He doesn't officially even get that one. So what did you think of the penalty? What, what, what the, the, the actual penalty? I didn't first the first replay of it when you could only see from like front on I didn't think Rice even touched him it just you could well you see he touched him up, uh, a bit further up but it looked like he just about just pinged his shirt a little bit I think Last the angle from behind penalty, didn't he? yeah I think the angle from mm-hmm. behind had a bit more of his shirt but okay. it's one of those it's not really enough to bring him down probably but if you touch your man in the box yeah. he's going to go down isn't he so I think, I think, I think it probably, probably, probably convinces the referee as well doesn't it yeah I think yeah, the, sorry, James. The penalty itself. I think they said that Watkins' penalty record is he's missed four of six or something like that. Should I know Ollie Watkins is a striker and it's good for his goal tally and all the rest of it. Good for his confidence as well to keep scoring. But should Ollie Watkins be on penalties? Should Jack Grealish be taking them? Do you think? I mean, you had like a, a set piece taker, a set piece like machine on the team in Conor Harrahan who seems to be able to play corners in well. Is he still on then? Uh, no, he got taken off. I think bang on the penalty for uh, it was Traore and uh, yeah, Alcazar right, that yeah. came on, and I, I think Harahan. In my, I mean, people say Jack, but yeah, you have kind of Harahan there. He, he's done it for you know, you know Barnsley and taking penalties, and then he comes to us, and you know the only kind of quality we use is the other two set pieces, and not the the, the best set piece. Um, Ollie Watkins' record, I think, was two from five, and I think penalties. 75% chance of scoring an average penalty off the top of my head probably not right that means it, it's a gimme that's it's a free it's a, it's a, a close enough to a free goal that you're going to have so if you're missing two out of five your record's not great it needs to improve and you can't be taking penalties at the highest level because you know I'm not going to sit here and you know criticise Ollie Watkins too much but it, this is a, a situation deserving of it and people are saying again that the cries come out I'm, oh, I'm not convinced about Ollie Watkins and then he does kind of try and redeem himself at the end that's the biggest way to redeem yourself is scoring the easiest chance you're ever going to have to score yeah. a goal in the Premier League bar a tapping and the technology's taken that and a point away from Villa yeah and I'm going back to the actual penalty to shirt pull I mean it's soft it's not even about it going down a shirt pull's a, a penalty isn't it it's a foul in the box It's a fa- it should be a foul outside the box it's a foul in the box so I guess it gets gets given on that basis but you know, visually, I think last week was a bit more appealing on, on the foul scale, but yeah, it was it wasn't great from Watkins. The, the stat as well that was before he missed, so it, it's missed three now. Three or five, yeah, yeah. Just, um, good. just just a bit of context. I know we all feel a bit fragile and vulnerable because of two defeats where Villa should have taken at least a point, and two games that have ended in con- controversy and drama with decisions going against us. If Villa win. I think this this table's up to date now. Well, it is because West Ham are fifth. If Villa win their game in hand, that puts them three points off the top spot. Mm. Which, and I know it's a crazy Premier League. I know the Premier League has reinvented itself as the championship this year because it's absolutely mad and anybody can beat anybody. Yeah. Well, I think I'm, I'm saying this is a positive note, not to add to our frustration. If only... <laughs> beaten Brighton, if only we'd have beaten West Ham, we'd have been top of the league by now. But just to say, as disappointing as it is, we're still in a lot better shape than we were this time, at this stage of the season, last season. Um, you know, providing uh, Christ knows what's happening with Newcastle, I think there's a story breaking. Oh, I was about to ask you about that. Their training round is shut down. So whether that match will happen on Friday, I don't know. But if it does, 
you'd back Villa if they <laughs> iron out some of the deficiencies um, of the last couple of games. You'd back Villa to be, to win that. So it's not a disastrous start to the season. It's frustrating having given given ourselves this platform with some big wins that we aren't building on this platform. But in the context of the of where we where we were the last time we played West Ham away um, at the back end of last season. You know, I think I think we, we just need to need to keep that in mind. There's a couple of comments here. Um, one from Darren Jones going, oh, it's only Man City this game in hand. And then Dean Coles follows <laughs> it up by saying, we won't beat Man City at the game in hand if we struggle against West Ham, which is the total mm-hmm. opposite of what Villa have been this season. We've beat all the good sides. We've beat Liverpool, Leicester and Arsenal. It's struggling against West Ham, Brighton, Leeds, Southampton that's, that's cost us. So we'll probably beat Man City and lose to Newcastle. Um, speaking of that Newcastle, just before we get out of it, because we've got approaching 40 minutes, um, what is the story here? I've seen. I think it's the Telegraph that have told, have spoken about it first. Wednesday, the the whole of the first team is in isolation, I believe, and the training ground shut till Wednesday, and they won't train together before they play Villa on Friday night. And first of all, I might be think that missing Steve Bruce's training sessions might actually benefit Newcastle, um, but not playing together and being in isolation, and some of them obviously having the virus as well. We don't know who, whether it's players or staff. That is going to impact Newcastle's preparation for this game, isn't it? And hopefully, that means that it's something in Villa's favour. I don't know because if you go off Richie Delap, what Richie Delap said about uh, Steve Bruce's training grounds, he kind of came in with a high waisted shorts with a ball in his hand and just chucked it into the, the middle of them and just went, "Let's play, boys!" Like so, so I don't know what massive benefit there, but nah, you know Bruce is doing. I don't know, he's doing all right in Newcastle. He's kind of up and down every week, and it no one cares. But it is a serious situation, like and like it's not. It's, like, even in if you go across the pond and in NFL, there's a team that had no quarterbacks. They all failed the COVID protocol. And they had to a game the Denver Broncos had to play a game without a quarterback so it's baffling how, how it's been managed and you know dealt with because last time this happened you know we didn't play for months it was the season was cut off and now yeah. I don't know I just don't know uh, kind of what's going on with it it's uh, it's a bit of an odd one and maybe I guess based on evidence I guess expect the match to be played because that's what happened I think the the game will be played because as much as unless they've all currently got the virus if there's enough players test negative for it as much as they've missed training sessions Newcastle will have to prove that they can't field a team to be able to forfeit the game or get it postponed so uh, Newcastle will have to put some kind of side out whether that features youth players or whether actually no one's actually got the virus it's it's a developing story isn't it so we don't know but the game's come thick and fast and you know five days from now that Newcastle game will be done and dusted, hopefully. So, um, yeah, I mean, um, you're right, it's a developing story more as we get it. Um, <laughs> yeah, apparently, I'm just reading this. You need 14 players to be ruled out for the club to be able to move to cancel the match. Um, I mean, Newcastle have got a case to say, look, we've not trained properly. You know, players have got it, staff have got it. It's not fair. But if they've got 11 or 14, however many players they need to be, if they've got them fit and ready, whether that means youth players, I don't think they can get away with cancelling the game. But again, imagine if if Bruce has to get his boots on and uh, (laughs) McGinn's marking him from a corner. Uh, To be fair, probably have Bruce (laughs) fit in at centre back for us, to be fair. I can see Bruce, he's kind of <laughs> taking his shirt off and swirling it around his head and running the length oh, of the uh, length of the horrible There's far too much mass hysteria going on in this, uh, in this podcast. We're getting a bit too carried away. Yeah. It's an intelligent few. <laughs> I, think, I, think I, think, I think we've covered everything that I wanted to. Um, so I think that's probably our, our little match roundup done for this week. We're now into that um, 
traditional festive period now, aren't we? We can call it the festive period is upon us, where where the games come thick and fast, and all the other cliches that you can think of. So it's pretty much a, a Villa game and a Villa podcast every few days for the next uh, month. We've also got a lot of other content planned uh, in between in the in the weeks between games, and we've got uh, another interview that we've recorded and is already in the bag. Uh, we're not going to reveal who it is, but it's uh, brilliant. It's, brilliant. it's brilliant. very good, yeah. very, very very good, and that will hopefully be out. Fingers crossed next Monday, um, but if not, some point next week. So uh, keep an eye out for that as well. Uh, gentlemen, Dan, thank what, you. What do you think of, sorry to interrupt your, your outro, what do you think of my, my retro Adidas, by the way? Are you liking it or not? <laughs> You're the only one not on theme. I know, get the cap on, John, mate. Feeling a bit, a bit of a throwback. I quite like it. I've just dug it out of my wardrobe. I think it's look. I can imagine Brucey Tech's training in the top lot. Actually, it's all right. Yeah, it's not bad. White, white's a bit of a, a funny colour, isn't it? I'll drop food down myself. Something so I wouldn't go for white. Yeah, I won't show you the white bottoms. <laughs> oh God. Um, yeah, what I'm more annoyed with is that you're downstairs and not using the proper equipment that we've bought for yeah, you. Sorry, so. about, sorry about my son just getting the requisite amount of sleep. I'm sorry about that. Don't. <laughs> You just worry about your audio quality. I'll just worry about the, the, the welfare of my children. Yeah, well, well yeah. Well, it's better to do it the other way around, isn't it? That I'm worried about the welfare of your children. Um, and I'm worried about the audio, yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, so thank you very much for tuning in this evening, everybody. Uh, there has been some good numbers and loads and loads of comments. So we'll try and do some kind of Q&A or some kind of uh, proper assessment where we can sit down and, and answer some talking points because there's loads and loads of comments and it's just hard to uh, to get through to them. I know, James, you can see the comments and there seems to be more than ever come through tonight. Yeah, um, thank, so you. thank you. Thank you for getting involved. As I was saying before, I was interrupted. Thank you, gentlemen, for 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 tuning, for joining me. Sorry, at quarter to eleven on a Monday. Um, it's been a pleasure. It's been a good chat about VAR and the state of football and uh, how Villa's defending is poor and should be better. Uh, we're back on Friday evening, permitting that Newcastle actually turn up and play. If not, I will be writing a letter to the Premier League to ask for three points. Uh, did you Dan, 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 did you see me um, swab on the time thing? Been him off now. Yeah, not really? bad that. Should we just cut him off? Should we, should we just get rid of him? There we go. Yeah, that's better. That's nice better. Oh, normality <laughs> being restored. What I love that people won't be able to see is that I can see like the, the chat box window at the bottom and uh, Matt's sticking his fingers up and stuff. So that's nice to see. Um, so we'll let, we'll let him go. We'll let you all go. Thank you for joining us. Thank you, James. Thank you, Matt. Thank you, everybody, for tuning in. And we'll see you on Friday. Thank you for listening to Claret and Blue, an Aston Villa podcast. If you enjoyed today's episode, then please let us know. We love hearing your feedback. We'll be back soon with another episode. Until then, up the villa.